of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to the name Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? It's a simple enough question, but if you're at all like me, it's a question that actually causes a little bit of fear when you hear it. Given the opportunity to reflect for a bit, I, like m many of you, I think it's fair to say that we would all say that we're afraid of something, maybe even something very specific in our lives. She's afraid of who she's become. He's afraid of what he's done. We're all afraid in our own sort of way. We're all afraid and fearing that things won't go the way that we want them to. Fear has a way of taking us out of the given moment and painfully forcing us to look at the future with a scary and anxious uncertainty. Today you might have walked in here feeling like things are finally coming together in your life or maybe you feel like things are finally falling apart. But no matter who you are, you've brought into this sanctuary today or you're at home watching this online and you have brought with you to this place and time some big or some little fears. Thankfully, Jesus has a few words to say to all of us about our fears when he gave this the shortest sermon of all time that I just read in the Gospel of Luke. Fear is one of those things that affects us all in really different ways. For some of us, it can create a paralysis of some kind. It can bring on depression and the desire to isolate and to escape from our fears, while others respond to fears by trying to take action, like I did a couple of weeks ago. I'm usually not one to do much with New Year's resolutions. In fact, I'm usually a little bit obnoxious when people talk about them around me. At least I've been told that I'm a little obnoxious. Um, I'm not usually into them, but a couple of weeks ago, I convinced myself for the first time ever, I think, that there's a profound difference between a New Year's goal and a New Year's resolution. So I gave a New Year's goal a shot. So I took out my cell phone. I opened up the Notes app on my phone, and after just a minute or two, I looked down and I had written out 35 goals for myself for the year 2022. You're supposed to laugh at that because that's a scary number. Um, or maybe not laugh because, it, yeah, that's, that's a scary number. I think that's like the biblical number for this guy's scared to death of something in his life. 
He's looking for something to change. And of course, soon after I wrote this, it snowed and I lost power for a week and I haven't made one check mark next to anyone. <laughs> of those 35 goals. We all have different ways of trying to take control of the things that we're afraid of in our lives, uh, the things that we fear in the future, uh, and sometimes the things we fear in the present. Activist and celebrity Emma Lim created a website. She did this trying to control her fear by creating a website and a sort of movement called the No Future Pledge where she, along with thousands and thousands of people, have vowed to never have children. Lim explains, even though I want to have children more than almost anything in the world, what kind of a mother would I be if I brought a baby into a world where I couldn't make sure that they were safe? This is somehow relatable and also just the saddest thing you've ever heard devastating example of fear stripping away life from us all. Well, Jesus has something to say, and more importantly, something to do about our fears, about our fears of the future and our anxieties about the present day. In Luke's gospel reading that I just read, we see Jesus return home to Nazareth, where he's asked to preach, much like a seminarian asked to return home and give a guest spot in the pulpit. I remember the first time that I was asked to come home and step into this pulpit and preach. I was a nervous wreck. And I I stood up here the first sermon at 7.45 in the morning. I closed my eyes after someone else read the gospel. And I said, in the name of the Father and the the, uh, Amen. Uh, (laughs) I forgot the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it went up or down from there, but um, I also remember the first time that I gave a children's sermon here on these steps at the nine o'clock service. Uh, I, again, was pretty nervous, and I decided I was just going to take that head on. I'm going to talk to the kids about being nervous, about being afraid. And one of the kind kids sitting right next to me towards the end of my short sermon, the children's sermon, patted me on the shoulder and said, I'm so sorry you're so nervous. (laughs) But when it came time for Jesus to preach, he wasn't so nervous. He stood up confidently to preach. And he selected a passage from the book of Isaiah where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus chooses a passage here that takes us all right to the heart of the matter. Jesus quotes from this Old Testament prophecy that everyone in the room that day and everyone throughout all of Israel had been longing and waiting to see come to fruition waiting for the Messiah to finally come and bring good news, bring relief and deliverance from the cares and concerns of this life and the next, from all the things that we're afraid of. This message, this good news that's on offer, that's arrived with Jesus as he's reading them out loud to anyone and everyone who's there to listen, they are just that. They're good news for everyone. 
And that's a really important thing for us to hear and to think about today when we read this passage. And I think it's important for two reasons. We often make the mistake of thinking that these words from Isaiah are just about the people over there who need help. Not us, not me. It's not me that needs help. It's an honest enough mistake, perhaps, that you don't think of yourself as literally someone who is poor or blind or held captive. There are literally people in this world who are poor, blind, and captive, and we ought to reach out to them with love and encouragement and charity. But when we make this mistake, two things often happen. One, we can pretty quickly become pretty self-righteous, thinking it's those people over there who need help, not me. It's those people over there who need salvation, not me. The best example or the quickest example that comes to my mind when I think of this is what happened just after the events of August 12th, a few years back, that terrible day, just a block in that direction. In the aftermath of the violence of that day, the people, we, the people of Charlottesville, were very quick to point out that the people causing all of the trouble that day, well, they, were for, they, they came here that day from somewhere outside of Charlottesville. They didn't live here. Because the people who live here don't cause riots, we all like to suggest and like to think. The people who live here aren't racist. The people who live here know how to protest peacefully. The people who live here, they don't need forgiveness. We don't need forgiveness to be delivered from lives of violence and from death. But of course, none of that's true. Whether those people were from downtown Charlottesville, whether they were you or me, or they were from Oregon or Georgia or California or anywhere, we're all in need of mercy. We're all in need of deliverance from the dysfunction of our lives. And the second thing that can happen when we make this mistake of thinking that Jesus is only talking about those people over there, well, it's the obvious problem of the fact that we're left not hearing this as good news for us. And we're left feeling like we have to face the unfortunate realities and difficulties and problems and fears of our lives on our own with no hope of help from above. But Jesus' good news is for all of us. Regardless of our financial situation, we've all experienced poverty of some kind, be it financial poverty or poverty of spirit, the feeling of separation between us and God or separation between us and a loved one. We've all felt the painful absence of something in our lives. Regardless of whether you've ever felt the inside of a jail cell or if you've ever felt imprisoned to some sort of mountain of debt that you've accumulated over the years, we've all had a taste of feeling captive to something, perhaps a mistake in your past or one that you've just made today. And regardless of how well you can physically see, we all experience moments of blindness in our relationships, unable to truly hear a person that we love, what they need, what they feel. We certainly feel a sense 
of blindness when it comes to the future and the well-being of the people that we love. That's perhaps my greatest fear of all. All of these different things, they're their own sorts and forms of captivity. And the more that we feel pinned down by them, the more afraid we become. But Jesus has good news for all of us. Jesus quotes from Isaiah, this powerful passage about hope and deliverance for all of us. He reads it confidently. And undoubtedly, the congregation listening to his words they begin to get excited. They begin to get energized. Some of them are probably sitting up in their seats. Some of them might have even lifted up onto their feet. Luke says that all of their eyes were fixed on him. But rather than standing up taller in the pulpit and raising his voice and maybe even raising his fist as I honestly would do if I was feeling that energy in response, Jesus sits down, and he delivers the world's shortest sermon from his seat. He simply says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Can you imagine if after I read the gospel, I went and I sat next to Paul, and I just said one sentence? That's exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus sits down. Jesus sits down as a sign of completion, as a sign of rest. He sits down, not as a sign of power or control, certainly not in the worldly sense of those words, but as if to say, you don't need to be afraid. You, you can sit down too. Because Jesus sits down and says all of this prophecy of help one day coming to you and all of your distress, well, that day, that day's come today. Jesus sits down and says, this has all been made true right here, right now. It's finished. Good news for the poor, release to the captives, sight to the blind, it's all here. It's all come. You don't have to fear your future. And you don't need to escape from the present with all of your hope resting on some future achievement or some future version of yourself that is then able to bring about a solution. God has come to you and to me to proclaim to us that it is finished. Because of his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, we've all been forgiven. We've all been set free and we've all been given his promise, his vision of a future without fear because we've all been given him. As Tolkien put it, because of Christ, we don't have to be afraid to see history or our lives for what they truly feel like and are as a long defeat with small glimpses of final victory along the way. I think that Jesus sitting down and saying these words is one of those glimpses of the final victory. The good news is that Jesus has taken his seat. Don't worry. Don't be afraid about today. Jesus has taken his seat in this very congregation. He's taken his seat next to you and next to me. With us this very moment, 
And he said that it's all been taken care of. Don't worry about tomorrow. Jesus has taken his seat beside you, and he's not going anywhere. Don't cast all your hope into the future where some better version of yourself will make amends for the things that you've done and the things you've left undone, for the person that you've become or the person that you've failed to be. Because Jesus has come to you and to me. He sat down with a sigh. We might even say he's breathed his last and said, It is finished. Jesus has taken his seat today. And today, well, today is the day of the Lord's favor for you and for me. It's finished. Have a seat. Amen.